0: Welcome to The Flatline with your host, Rick Hughes. For the next 30 minutes, you'll be inspired, motivated, educated, but never manipulated. Now your host, Rick Hughes. Good morning and welcome to The Flatline. I'm your host, Rick Hughes, and for the next few minutes, I'm going to ask you to stay with me. It'll be a brief time of motivation, some inspiration, a whole lot of education... And we do this without any manipulation. So we're not trying to sell you anything, we're not trying to hustle you, we're not trying to get you to join up, fess it up, give it up. We would just like to ask you to listen up. The show, The Flatline, that you're listening to is designed to remind you of biblical truths and introduce you to a new way of growing, a new way of studying, learning God's word. A way that's done with no solicitation, just 30 minutes of education. So my job is to verify and identify God's plan for you or your life. Hopefully, if you agree, you'll orient and adjust to the plan. So the FLOT line is heard every Sunday morning here on this radio station. I thank you for listening. We have a very interesting subject we want to cover today, but let me remind you. A FLOT line is a main line of resistance in your soul. It's your forward line of troops, F-L-O-T. And what that consists of is 10 unique problem-solving devices that you learn found in the Word of God. If you learn them and use them, then you can stop the outside sources of adversity before they ever become the inside sources of stress. That's why we always say adversity is inevitable and stress is optional. So learning how to have 10 unique problem-solving devices in your soul. By the way, We have a book that lists all 10 of them. If you'd like to have it, write to me. It's free. We'll never send you a bill. We'll never charge you. We'll just send you the book called Christian Problem Solving, and it lists all 10 of them. You can always look at us on the website. That's rickhughesministries.org, and you can order from there along with many other material, much other material that we have available all free of charge. The flat line is made up of the rebound technique, problem-solving device number one, confessing your sin to God, solving the problem of the consistent sin we do as Christians, 1 John 1, 9, how do we handle sin? And the second one is we have a genetically formed old sin nature, how do we handle that? It's problem-solving device number two, the filling of the Holy Spirit. And the third one is the difficulties and the trials that we face in life, how do we handle that? And that's the faith rest drill, standing on the promises of God. There are seven other problem-solving devices that we've taught. We've gone over everything from grace orientation to biblical orientation to a personal sense of destiny to personal love for God, impersonal love for others, sharing the happiness of God, and occupation with Jesus Christ. These are all extensive studies that we've done. I hope you'll get them, and hope you'll listen to them, and I hope you'll build a flat line in your soul. On our last radio show, we were talking about the three different lives, talking about the physical life, the spiritual life, and eternal life. And I want to go back to that before we move on to our next subject. I want to tell you this. I wish there's something I could tell you about everything to expect when you get to heaven, but I just can't do that because the Bible limits our understanding about all that awaits us. But there are some things that I can tell you. And this is what they are. Number one, you cannot take your current body to heaven. That's why you must die. This body will not work in heaven. It has to be a different body. The Bible refers to it as a resurrection body. Since this body is infected with sin, and everything in this universe is infected with sin, then it all has to die. Your new body, your resurrection body is seen in Romans eight twenty-three, where it says we eagerly await the adoption and the redemption of our body. In Romans 6 5, for if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. So we will get a resurrection body. When they lay you to rest, whether they cremate you or bury you, whatever you decide, that's not you. The real you is the soul and the spirit inside of you. The old body's going to wear out, shut down, go away back to dust, but you're going to get that new body if you're a believer in Jesus Christ. The perfect body, the resurrection body. And there will be a new heaven and a new earth also. Most people have this strange idea that they're going to go to heaven and live in heaven for eternity, but listen to this. In 2 Peter 3:12 through 13, looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. And nevertheless, we according to his promise look for the new heaven and the new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. So everything here is gonna be destroyed. All the universe will be wiped out. The sun will be gone. The moon will be gone. Mars, Venus, Pluto, Jupiter, that's all gone. All infected with sin. And here we come to the new heavens and the new earth. And on this new earth, there will be what we call the holy city. And in that holy city, this is where you will live your life in the new heaven and the new earth, being able to go to the holy city, the new Jerusalem. And the Bible says in this environment, we will never age, we'll never get sick, we'll never lack for any happiness. Revelation 21, four, and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning. No more crying. No more pain, because the first things have all passed away. So there is eternal life, and that life will be a phenomenal life. It starts the minute you believe in Christ. He that believes in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. John three says that, and it will never, ever, ever end. And John three fifteen is the verse: Whoever believes in Him shall not perish. But have everlasting life. So true, because it's already started the minute you believe in Jesus Christ, and it'll never end. What a wonderful thought, what a wonderful thing. Eternal life is, it's hard for us to imagine, and that's why the Lord doesn't give us a whole lot of perspective on it, but I can tell you, there'll be colors you've never seen. There'll be sounds you've never heard. There'll be things you never dreamed of in heaven. This is all compliments of the grace of God by means of his Son, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who paid the ultimate penalty for our sin. He who knew no sin, the Bible says, was made sin for us so that we could be made the righteousness of God by means of him. That's how we get to heaven. That's how we have eternal life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. Now I wanna switch gears this morning. I would like to go in a different direction. I'd like to pick up with a new study, and go into something that is very interesting, and I think you'll find it interesting. We're going to talk about hard-hearted people. Hard-hearted people. Now remember, my job is to educate you. Your job is to evaluate what I say. If I can educate you, you can evaluate and make a decision. So I want you to listen. Throughout the United States, we're finding many, many, many young people relating to gangs and violence all across America today. According to a search on the internet published in Wikipedia, approximately 1.4 million people were part of gangs in 2011. More than 33,000 gangs are active across the United States today. Prison gangs, motorcycle gangs, street gangs, juvenile gangs. And many people join these gangs to get a sense of family or seeking some sort of identity. And some are just criminals enjoy the risk taking power lust. that's demonstrated. They they rob, they steal, they do whatever they want to, and that's the power lust. And most of these in these gangs are involved in some sort of criminal activity or sexual activity. But uh, there are also some Christian gangs. And these are good gangs—Bikers for Christ and the Christian Motorcycle Association, non-profit organization dedicated to reaching people for Jesus Christ. So I'm not talking about that. But the question that I'm asking you today is: How can a young person, maybe 12, 13, 14 years old, that gets into a gang, how could that person commit crime? And how could they be involved in sexual activities at such a young age as some of these gang members and it not bother them? There's a gang that some of them play called Knockout. This is practiced by street gangs who uh, use this as an initiation into the gang. They have to walk up to a stranger in the street and knock him out and just hit him when he's not looking. And this has led to many, many serious injuries and in some cases even death. But some of the young people are required even to shoot somebody as proof of their willingness to be a part of the gang. This attack of the cosmic system, aka what I call the human viewpoint, is the lure that sucks so many unsuspecting people into a life of bondage, into a life of misery, resulting from repeated bad decisions that violate the protocol plan of God. So I wanna show you today from the Bible how people can do such things, how they can hurt people and not feel bad about it, how they could steal from people and not feel bad about it, how they could lie about you and laugh about it. And we should not be surprised if we see our country fragmented where there's a divide in the way people think in this country. What's best for the future, they say. In the devil's world, we call it the cosmos diabolicus, cosmos being world and diabolicus meaning devil, the devil's world. So this divide that we have today in America is perpetuated by a constant barrage of human viewpoint peddled off by Hollywood celebrities, peddled off by political leaders and just plain troublemakers. And they say it's the key to happiness. So unless somebody has the ability to think outside of the box and to reason based with clear conscience related to what we call establishment thinking, then there will be no hope for the next generation. So the Apostle Paul warns about how you can scar up your soul to the point of complete loss of reality. And it's covered in Ephesians 4:17 through verse 20. And it was written to the church at Ephesus, that church made up of Gentile converts, and they were being warned not to follow the path of their previous Gentile life. I'm gonna read it to you. Excuse me, hit the microphone there. I'm gonna read it to you and let you hear it. This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you henceforth walk, not as other Gentiles walk, not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. So don't walk like the Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. It goes on to say in verse 18, Ephesians four, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God, through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Verse 19, who being past feelings have given themselves over to lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness, but, verse 20, you have not so learned this from Christ. All right, let's break this down. and Let me show you what this verse is saying. I wanna exegete this verse for you. That's the way we study the Bible. We study it under the ICE technique. ICE, I-C-E stands for isagogical, categorical, exegetical. Isagogical means we'll go into the original language. We'll see what the word meant when it was written. Categories means that we will develop out of verses different categories, like the category of love or the category of God or the category of whatever, happiness. You can develop categorical studies out of these verses. So, and isagogic categories, And exegesis means line by line, word by word, verse by verse. So let's exegete this passage. Ephesians 4.17 starts off with Paul giving a warning. Thence I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord. So the source of this warning that Paul is about to give is from the Lord Jesus Christ himself through the apostle Paul but by means of the Holy Spirit. Remember when the Lord Jesus Christ went to heaven, he sent the Holy Spirit to guide. The Holy Spirit is just as much God as the Son and as the Father. And so here, God, the Holy Spirit, is giving a warning through the Apostle Paul. And what he's saying is this. I Testify. The Greek word for testify is marturomai. Marturomai. And it means to make a solemn warning. It means to affirm. It means to exhort. So he is giving a very, very, very solemn warning to these people in Ephesus. I testify to you. I warn you. Don't walk as the Gentiles walk. Ephesians 4:17. You know they were involved in temple worship. And you know what was going on in the temple. They were fornicating in the temple. And Paul had to t- tell them to stay away from the temple, don't get involved in what's going on down there. I mean, literally, they would get drunk in the temple and sit around and chant, Iacchus, 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 And then they would go fornicate in the temple. And so Paul says, don't live like the Gentiles live. The word walk is the Greek word peripitao. And peripitao means to regulate your life or live your lifestyle. So what he's saying to the believers at the church at Ephesus is don't live a lifestyle like the Gentiles who go to the temple are living. You don't need to be involved in this. Don't walk like the Gentiles walk. Don't regulate your life like they live their life. And then he tells you what it is. Don't walk like the Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. This is our first key to scar tissue. What is scar tissue how do you get it? The vanity of the mind, the word vanity means empty or devoid of any divine viewpoint. An emptiness, a void, much like a vacuum. A vacuum is where there's a void and there's nothing there and it sucks stuff into it. Not like a vacuum cleaner, but I guess you could use that as an illustration, but one time my daughter in school made a vacuum in a bottle where she lit a Kleenex and dropped it down into the bottle and put a hard-boiled egg over the neck of the bottle. As the Kleenex burned all the oxygen up in the bottle, the egg miraculously began to slip down through the neck of the bottle until it popped out into the bottle. I asked her how she did it. She said, I made a vacuum. And she said, by burning up the oxygen inside, the pressure on the outside was greater than the pressure on the inside and it pushed the egg down through the neck of the bottle. Pounds per square inch, pressure. We live under pressure every day in our lives. And so when you have nothing in your brain, when you have no divine viewpoint, then everything that's on the outside will be pushed inside to you, and you can't stop it, because you have nothing to stop it with. When the Bible tells you, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus, And the Bible tells you in 1 Corinthians 2, 16 that the Bible is the mind of Christ. Well, if you don't learn it, if you don't have it, then you don't have any love for God because Jesus said in John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my mandates. How can you keep what you don't know? And what you don't know can be very detrimental because what you don't know will be overrun by what the devil knows. And so if he wants to attack you, He attacks your empty mind. If you have a teenage son, a teenage daughter, grandchildren, people that seem to get into sin all the time, people that seem to get into trouble all the time, people that are into drugs and alcohol abuse or anything else, they have scar tissue. They don't feel guilt, they don't feel shame like you do because all of that has been covered up with scars. So Paul said, don't live your life like those Gentiles live their life with an empty mind. This is what Satan always does. He attacks your thoughts. The first thing he will do is attack your thinking. That's why you've been told to renovate your thinking, change the way you think. Don't think in terms of arrogance, but think in terms of humility, Romans twelve three. Arrogance will justify why you are right and why the Bible's wrong. Arrogance will justify why you're right and why the preacher's wrong, why you're right and why your parents are wrong. And you will satisfy your own lust with your own arrogance. And so the vanity of the mind, that's the emptiness that Satan will attack. And he will attack your thoughts first. The Bible tells you to put on the helmet of salvation. And that's to protect the way you think. In Ephesians 4.18, this passage goes on to say, Having the understanding darkened. That means the ability to process and determine right from wrong is blacked out. And there are two Greek words that demonstrate this concept, understanding and darkened. The word understanding is the Greek word dianoia. And dianoia means the mind is a processor. The mind is where you process information. And it is darkened. The mind is darkened. How is it darkened? The vacuum that sucks in all the, the cosmos diabolicus thinking, all the human viewpoint thinking, it blackens out your mind. The mind is darkened, skotidzo is the Greek word. It means to cover with darkness, it means to be deprived of any light. And remember that Jesus Christ, our savior said, he's the light of the world. So this is void of anything to do with Christ. This is complete darkness as a blind man walking through a dark room. You won't see it. You won't know it. You won't know what's going on until you run into the wall because you have no light. And they are darkened. Their understanding is darkened in Ephesians 4:18, alienated from the life of God. What does that mean? It means they're separated from God's plan and God's design by their choice. He didn't separate them, they chose it. So they're alienated from the life of God, separated from God's plan and design by their choice. And what caused this separation? Verse 18, because of the ignorance that is in them. Because of the ignorance that is in them. The lack of knowledge of divine things. They never were interested in the Bible. They never were interested in learning God's word. Listen, the mind is a vacuum. It's going to suck in what the devil throws at it. It's an empty void. And you can fill it with the word of God. You can fill it with divine viewpoint. Or you can fill it with human viewpoint and what the world offers. And so here we have someone whose mind is empty. It's gotizo. It's blacked out. There's no light they cannot see the difference between right and wrong nor do they understand the difference and he goes on to say in ephesians 4:18 because their heart is blind blind is a wrong translation it's not blind the greek word porosis doesn't mean to be blind it means to be calloused blunted not able to think clearly when you have a calloused mind then it's scar tissue over your brain. Scar tissue, this is what keeps you from seeing what you are. This is what keeps you from understanding what you should be. Alienated from the life of God because of the blindness or the scar tissue on their heart. Both words are used in this passage, mind and heart. They're both used. Remember the mind is where we process the information and the heart is where we store the information and eventually apply it. So you learn it from the word of God, you store it in your heart, and then the time comes when you have to pull it out, put it on the launching pad of your soul and use it. So these people that Paul is talking about, they've copied the Gentile lifestyle, their minds have opened up, they've sucked in all the cosmos diabolicus thinking, they've scarred up their soul, their understanding is darkened, And now, verse 19, they are past feelings. What does that mean? The verb apageo, apelageo, means to cease feeling guilt and cease feeling grief or to be insensible to pain. Anyone who has heavy scar tissue doesn't feel guilt. That's why a 12-year-old boy could take a gun and shoot somebody. That's why a 15-year-old boy could do the knockout and knock somebody he doesn't even know senseless and laugh about it. That's why a thief could steal from you and laugh because he thinks he deserves it. He has no feelings. He's gone. The person who has extreme scar tissue never feels remorse, never feels guilt. And Let me ask you about yourself. Can you uh, cheat on your taxes and it doesn't bother you? Do you justify why it's okay to do that? Do you say, well, the government steals my money, I'm just going to get a little of it back? That's the way you think you've got scar tissue. Do you justify why it's okay if you found some money laying on the floor and didn't return it to its rightful owner? You have scar tissue. You just imagine some kid walking down the hall of a school and finds a $20 bill, and he says, it's my lucky day. No, it's not. It's somebody else's unlucky day. So do you put it in your pocket and whistle on out the door? Or do you go to the principal's office and say, I found this on the floor. I know somebody lost it. You find a billful with money in it, do you keep it? Take the money out, throw it away? Or do you contact the rightful owners? See, this is what scar tissue does. Scar tissue doesn't feel wrong about depriving people of what's rightfully theirs. Scar tissue doesn't feel wrong about committing adultery. Scar tissue doesn't feel wrong about stealing. Scar tissue doesn't feel wrong about murder and theft. That's scar tissue. And that's what happens when you open your mind up to the cosmos diabolicus. When there's nothing in there to protect you and you think you're so wise, you think you're so smart, you think, oh, I can handle anything, and you are being manipulated and duped like a little duck. Having given themselves over to lasciviousness, Ephesians four nineteen, uh, the pronounce the word is aselageia, as, el-gaya, as el-gaya. and it means unbridled lust, excessive desires, excessive desires, or shamelessness, feeling not ashamed, having excessive desires, giving yourself over to lasciviousness, can't get enough of it, you want more of it. In Ephesians 4.19, the reason you did it, to produce all uncleanness with greed. Uncleanness. Akarthasia. The Greek word means, in a moral sense, impure. To produce impurity. The uncleanness of lustful living, given in to the excessive desires of your sin nature. And you do it with greed. Pleonexia. It means you have a desire to have more, and more, and more, and more, and the verse goes on to say, you did not learn this from Jesus Christ. This is scar tissue. This is what it's about, and I blew through it. May even have mispronounced a Greek word or two, but I wanted you to get the gist of this thing. Ephesians 4, 17 through 20. This is what can happen to you when you have a vacuum in your mind when there's not the word of God there and you are filtered into the cosmos diabolicus. The cosmic system will fill you with every kind of lie that's possible and you will wind up justifying your sin believing that you're something that you're not. I hope you're listening. I hope you're paying attention. Until next week, this is your host, Rick Hughes, saying thank you for listening to The Flatline. Thank you for listening to The Floodline with your host, Rick Hughes. If you'd like to contact Rick, please write to him at P.O. Box 100, Cropwell, Alabama, 35054. Or online at www.rickhughesministries.org.